If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What up, what up, what up with it with my wealthy people? It's your boy, David Bellard. You already know the vibes. Founder, CEO, Black Wealth Renaissance. Here with my brother from another, Jalen. What's good with you? What's popping? What's popping? It's your boy, Jalen, man. I'm feeling great. Feeling black-tastic. Looking better. I can't even complain. Uh, you look all right, nigga. You got them glasses on. Don't you think you, think you cool or whatever. You wearing sunshades you on just the You just want to be like, yeah, bro. You know, I, you ain't got to hate, man. <laughs> Get that hate out your heart. I nigga. ain't hating, man. I'm just talking, dog. You like know I what I'm saying? saying? I got the shades on. I might be feeling shady today. Yeah. So, tread lightly, nigga. Tread lightly, my head, man. But look, y'all. Y'all already know, man. We chilling. It's already a great day. We've been potting, and we want to give y'all another installment of the show. Uh, it's been a, a mean, mean yeah. minute since we gave y'all one of these. Uh, just kind of, it's a lot going on right now. So we want to take some time to talk through what's happening and... Jalen and I are going to shout perspectives on some things. And we'll just talk about a few different things and issues that affect the black community. Yeah. Uh, so, Jalen, I know you had a topic initially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, it's number one on the list. Uh, that's what you want to start with? You want to start uh, this joint, I probably man. wouldn't want to start with that one right now. Um, I think I want to start. Let's see. Honestly, I think I do know where I want to start. I want to start with the uh, gamification of gambling. Okay, all right. That's a good place yeah. to start, so especially I'll, around now. So, context: this is pre-Super Bowl. We at the time of recording this yeah. to get released, probably be post-Super Bowl. But that is something that is real yeah. a good topic because we've definitely seen that happen. I say, probably what so over, since the pandemic. Um, um I would say because the rise of DraftKings, yeah, was really during like the twenty nineteen pandemic era. Then they really, really took off in like twenty twenty. Cause I remember we went to uh, Colorado and they were they was plastered everywhere. So yeah, um, it's whenever a lot of the states started being more relaxed on the online uh, gambling, online sports books and betting and stuff like that. Yeah. So okay, let's let's talk about the gamification of sports betting, right? Mm-hmm. So we've already seen it with the stock market with stuff like Robinhood and all that. We've seen people get into stocks and kind of trade, and it seemed like people. Starting to fall off that trend, right? We used yeah. to see a lot more people talking about options and things of that nature during crypto yeah. and all of the uh, what else was the big one? Uh, <sighs> NFTs, not NFTs, forex. Uh, yeah. I couldn't get forex out gotcha, of my mind. Got you. No, we seen people like that was the where we were, right? Mm-hmm. That everybody was. I'm going to get rich trading options, and somehow somewhere along the way, that shit became. Sports betting. Yeah. And now it's like sports betting is the new options for a lot of people. And to me, I think that's problematic because it's so much more risky 
to think that you're actually like like I guess it, it's not as it's not as bad to me because you're not you're not actually investing, right? So you don't you're not invested with a gambler's mindset, but you're just gambling now. You're saying that that's not as bad? Like I, I think it's problematic because you went from thinking I, no, you were. Some people do think of that as investing for no, them. You went from investing in stock stocks to now you're investing in, in athletes, that. and to me that's crazy because now you're you're gambling. You went from gambling in the stock market to full on just just full on gambling, yeah. like just like man, I sure hope this dude get them yards tonight, and I see like. A lot of it's become very prevalent in mm-hmm. culture now. Like so many things about parlays and all them little jokes like that. Around Christmas time, I seen people talking like, "Man, my kids just don't know." They Christmas this parlay on, on this, yeah twenty five leg parlay. It's like it, it's kind of crazy that niggas is thinking that this is gonna be the way out. Stop trying to get rich quick. So with, with that, like. I even think about the ease of it, right? Like, one, the over and under is so easy to play. And then you got prize picks now who's doing this thing called Demon Time where if you pick a certain play, you can can 10x, like, your winnings. Yeah. If you you do a Demon Time play and you hit on that, you can – not 10x, I'm sorry. You can 100x your winnings. Mm -hmm. So, like, you might do $100, uh, but you just 100x it, like – you hit it big willy style, right? But at the same time, it's What's the ve- probability of you hitting that 100x? It's a very risky, like the Demon Time one is a very risky bet. Like that's the whole thing of it. It's like, that's why it's 100x. At the end of the day, house is always going to win. Facts. They always going to cover their ass. Like unless somebody hack their shit and like do a bank run on, like these sports betting, sport books, these casinos, like, they're always going to win. Yeah. So a lot of people there, they're putting their money in. A lot of people are doing these things, and they're just gambling. And I look at it back to when we were kids. Us growing up in Louisiana, yeah, casino every fucking where that you go. Mm-hmm. But how many, how, how many billboards would you pass as a child where it would be like, gambling problem, call this number. Gambling problem, call this number, right? What type of repercussions is this going to have on people in the next few years, like how many people do we think will become addicted to gambling through this through this way? How many people you think addicted right now? I, I think I, a lot. I, I believe I it is a lot. Like a lot of the people who, like they learned about options and the whenever everybody had to sit down, it was all in the house. It was on internet. Mm-hmm. They learned about options, tried their hand at it. Like you this shit it? hard. I gotta learn a lot. I got there's this learning curve. What the hell is an alpha? What the hell is a delta? What do you mean all this gamma and yeah. all this? Yeah, what what what's all this? What is what is all the information? This too complicated. I done lost my money. Let me find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, prize picks. You mean to tell me I give you a hundred dollars? You will give me all you I gotta match do, me a hundred dollars. All I gotta do all I gotta say is Patrick Mahomes is gonna go over 150 yards. I understand that. All I gotta do is say Steph Curry is gonna make above a fifty percent shooting. Mm-hmm. Is like you said, it's very easy for them to understand because people watch sports. A lot of people engulf themselves in sports. A lot of people, their sports team is their identity. So it's like it's easier for them to really 
become a part of that, but also get lost in the gambling side of these yeah, things. Because that's also the part. Like you talked about gamification, right? And that's really what they've made it made it really seem like. It's mm-hmm. like a game. Like I was just saying, you put five dollars in. I, th- I think that's the the promotion they're running at this time, right? You put five dollars in, they'll put up to fifty dollars in your account. So that seems like play money. It's house money. Yeah. So in your head, I didn't really put nothing in here, but what they what they say? Uh, the first hit always free, right? You put that. You get your first little taste. Get Don't let hooked. you hit a little something. Get them hooked. You 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 won twenty dollars off of five dollars. Or even the lady. Now you're trying to upsize your bet. Even that lady I sent you on Instagram, bro. The lady she she bet her last twenty two dollars on that slot machine. Ended up winning fifteen thousand yeah, dollars. And like everybody happy for yeah, her. Yeah, and, and, and like I'm over here like, bitch, baby, you crazy. What is you doing? <laughs> like you just took your last twenty dollars. Like what if you wouldn't have hit? Now you ain't got shit. And your last resort was to go play the slots with your last twenty dollars. Shout out to her though. Hey, hey I yeah. was looking out for her. I ain't gonna lie hey, to you. Hey, shawty. Hey, I'm you happy you won. Me, I'll tell you that much. I'm pretty sure she said. The dude name who pushed the button was Raul. I remember Raul pushed the button. Oh, I, I, what? <laughs> That's what she was saying the whole time she won. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it. She was like, "Yeah." Somebody in the comment was like, "Yeah, you got to give Raul half of it now because he the reason you want." I'm like, "Why is that the sentiment?" Um, Why well, he got to get half? Yeah, that like. The whole thing around gambling, like, there is people, like, if they're on a crap table, maybe some somebody will be like, oh, you my good luck charm. You blowing on the dice for me or whatever. And I hit, like, I'm going to bless you just for being right here. Oh, yeah. But half of $15,000? Yeah. So I don't get gambler culture. I ain't going to lie. I'm, as a as a black man, I'm fully divested from gamble and lottery culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a terrible waste of capital. You could deploy your capital much better if you're a patient person who's willing to invest. Why can't you dollar cost average instead of buying three or four lottery tickets a week? It ma- it makes valid sense, right? If you talk about it over time, if, I, if I'm 20 years old, I start buying lottery tickets. That same money I used, if I take my mindset from that of a gambler to that of an investor, I can likely grow that five, ten, fifteen dollars a week. To twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars by the time I'm forty or fifty. And that's small shifts in behavior. That's that's the biggest thing I think about it. It's just a dangerous game we're playing with it. I don't think and if you you a sports better, that's on you. I ain't saying you can't make no money. I don't say it don't make money. But it's a dangerous place to put yourself where you relying on gambling to be your source of income. That's a fact. Gambling should never be a source of security because it's a you're taking way too much risk for that reward. Mm. And also with the gambling, I don't know if you saw it with the uh, LSU player, uh, the former LSU uh, player, and he currently plays for the New England Patri- Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is believed to have placed more than eighty nine hundred <laughs> bets illegally. Wait, wait, what's illegal about him placing bets? Because. He wasn't. I don't think he was doing it under his name. He was doing it from a different device. Okay. Under a whole different name, because he was placing bets on himself as well. Okay. He placed seventeen. What's illegal about that? Now that part, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, like, oh, I guess if it's and it plus, I, I don't know if he was even at a legal age to actually do the bet, because what you got to be twenty-one to uh, bet, right? 
I'm pretty sure it's 21 to get in the casinos and uh bet. I think because so. because they give free alcohol in there and everything it's true, like that. True, true, true. So I'm pretty sure it's got to be 21 to be uh in these casinos. I don't I don't know the legal age for betting and the Wi-Fi is not working. So hold on, if you could look look that up. But of the 8,900 uh bets, 17 were on college football games. And six of those were on LSU for whenever he played. Um, he allegedly placed a wager on September 4th, 2022, in a game between LSU and Florida State. He was betting that he would score at least one touchdown, and he placed another bet that he would have over 82.5 receiving yards. Oh, yeah, see, that's bullshit. I'm, I, I can't get mad at that bet. So you mean to tell me I'm getting fined? For betting on myself, I, that sounds like if I lose my money because I didn't do what I said I could do, mm-hmm. that's on me. Or what if you had a pack with the quarterback? Like, hey, look, bro, don't don't look at nobody else. Just light me up the whole night, bro. And and I'm you're not split, about to, you're not about a, to lose the game for freaking two three thousand dollars, bro. What if they didn't bet two, three thousand? You know, NIL was it? What if? Hey, look, we putting such and such on here. We about to go. Bro, crazy. you're talking about LSU. This is Louisiana State University. They haven't had a season where they won less than ten games. I'm sure this century, them niggas not throwing no football games for one little sports bet. And he did. I could understand the logic if it was he was, was betting under, under. yeah. And then I, I was I purposely performing less. That's that's problematic. Yeah. You're there's a conflict of interest, like where you're throwing the game and stuff. Yeah, like that. but like again, I don't agree with betting at all. So I think it was stupid that he did it in the first place. But if I'm gonna bet and I bet on myself, it's kind of like the situation. I guess the precedent for that would be um, Buddy with baseball. You're a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. wasn't Wasn't he the one that got? There's a baseball player. That was banned from the MLB for betting on himself. And I think yeah, I that was remember, Pete Rose. I don't remember all of them niggas in the history and shit. I don't remember the cool shit. Fake ass baseball fan, man. Hey, man, call it what you want to. It is what it is. I remember that dude throwing the pitch and blowing up a, bo- a bird. <laughs> I, I can look it up, that. though. But yeah, where, where were you getting with that? Uh, getting into the fact that, what were we talking about again? Uh, the guy being suspended due to betting. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, that president there, like, that was in the professional sports. That's the only other time I could think about an athlete betting on themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was the outcome. He was banned from the sports league. So, I mean, they're not doing nothing different than what would have been the standard set already. But do I think it makes sense? Nah, not really. I mean, I I can't argue that point either. Like, I could see if he was doing unders, like, oh, I'm not going to score a touchdown or nothing like that. Like, I'm going to get I'll, less yeah. than 50 yards. Or I'm going to have – or if you're going over on drops or something mm-hmm. like that, like, now you have a case to say, oh, you were intentionally doing some mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think – me personally, I don't think he should get in trouble. Like, hey, man, everybody tell – bet on yourself. <laughs> he literally bet on himself. You know what I'm saying? They say the best investment you can make is in yourself. He was just betting on himself. They don't say nothing whenever these damn uh, politicians be betting with, see, they, with inside traders. They ain't say nothing about Nancy Pelosi. 
Telling yeah. you. Hey, y'all want to make some money this year? Follow Nancy, man. Nancy know where the money gone. NVIDIA last year? Did you invest in NVIDIA last year? Uh, I don't think so. I, I just kept, kept my other... Uh, DCA? Well, I'm still good, so I'm, I'm straight. I'm just saying. I'm up 50%. I'm good. No, I'm talking about like with NVIDIA, just talking about Nancy and the moves. Last year, NVIDIA was up like 330. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I know. Yeah. I just can't cry over smell milk. It's out. I'm hurt, but I'm telling myself I'm good. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, though, that's another topic that I had in here was um, NVIDIA, Microsoft, Google all partner with U.S. government on AI research program. And your girl, Nancy yeah, Pelosi. Look at in the picture. Nancy Pelosi has bought millions in NVIDIA and owns millions of Microsoft and Google. What I just said, follow the money. Talk, listen to Nancy, man. I'm telling you. But it, but I'm saying like he got in trouble for for you know betting on himself. But she gets all of this privy information, and we know she's doing all of these stock trades. This shit been coming out for years that she trades, and Based she don't get in no fucking yeah. type of no trouble, no nothing. So the, what is the difference? The insider trading rules are crazy. I, I'll tell you what's the difference, arena. The difference is nothing but the arena. You are an athlete. She is a politician. Power. You have none. The NCAA has all the power. The NFL has all the power. She, as a politician, has the autonomy and ability to do that. And the money, because you also got, I think Nancy Pelosi worth like 330 M's. Yeah. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, like Nancy's rich, rich. Uh, But... She's been in, she has influence that he won't have. So I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. But do I think it's like right that politicians can use insider trading shit? Uh, I don't, I'm not here to argue about right. I just use the information to myself. Any uh, government official that's making a big transaction or trade like that, they have to report it. This is all public information. I think it's within three months of the trade being made that they have to report it, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah, like, they have to file all this shit with the SEC. If you're a public official, if you're uh, anytime you're or a person who owns more than 10% stake mm-hmm. in a publicly traded company, anytime you make a transaction like that, you have to disclose this information to the SEC. Now, it is a lagging report type of way, but... There, there's still some some type of reporting there. there there's, there isn't a reporting standard for taking bets on yourself if we're still looking at them two as a comparison. That's a fact. I guess because it's so new and, you know, they still trying to get everything. I don't I don't know what's going to come of the story, but, you know. I and wish- also, let's ask, let me ask you this. When have you ever seen regulations regulate regulators? Yeah, that's a bar. It's very rare. They very, very rarely change the rules to stack it outside of their favor. It's kind of the same thing with the the sports betting companies. It's house rules, baby. Cash rules everything around me. Get the money. Y'all don't let these people play in your face. We can we can go to the next topic, my brother. Yeah, you want you want to go to the one that was at the top of the list, man? Because I could I think uh, like one difference between Nancy and, and the young man is. Oh, She's a white woman, color, and he, color? yeah, he's a black man. And I know 
one of the topics we would yeah we can we can go to the, to that uh, you uh, had an experience at home right yeah there. um so my great uncle he ended up passing recently and I went back home for his funeral and uh I ended up seeing one of my cousins right and he was just like hey man I'm so happy to finally meet you you know uh me and your mom we grew up and all of this and then he was like I was one of the only dark skins growing up it's rough for us and I just was like internalized I was like damn man. We did deal with a lot of colorism growing up as kids. Yeah, like, man, y'all was African booty scratchers as dark nigga, kids, chill out. Man. I'm just being real, bro. <laughs> you just hurt my feelings. Bro, I'm not I, I'm not calling you that. I'm just nah, saying nigga, this you is just what they y'all was African. You could have said they called. You said y'all was bro, African booty scratchers. Bro, you're a dark-skinned man. I'm just hey. talking. Like, you you, you said you dark-skinned. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, so I was internalizing <laughs> that shit, right? I was just like, Damn. <laughs> Like, we really had to deal with this shit My a bad, lot bro. as I just, a kid. I just flicked up your trauma. You, you huh? did. You did kind of fuck me up. Because this is the story that I wanted to get into, right? My grandmother, she was a lighter-skinned lady. Mm-hmm. Like, and as growing up, she would definitely be like, oh, baby, you got to stay out there, son. You're getting so dark. You got to do all of this. And she would put this stuff on. It was called, like, black and white cream. And it was, like, a bleaching cream. Huh? And she would, yeah, she would rub it in on her face and stuff like that. I thought it, she was rubbing it on you, too. No. But I said, man. She did. She did. She was like, if you want to use something. And I, at one point, I would be like, okay, let me put it on. But something... I didn't do it for long, but I had another cousin. She was dark skinned as well, and she would always put it on. But baby, you got too much melanin in your skin. Yeah, it ain't going. She the color of your shirt. It ain't gonna oh, work. Oh yeah, yeah. It ain't gonna work. Yeah, like ain't no ain't yeah. no lighter for this just, one. Huh? Just hang it up. Like <laughs> just hang it up. But it just it made me think about some of the trauma that we deal within from our own people. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the you know conflicts that internal conflicts that people have. Even like my grandmother, I'm thinking like what made her feel like she had to feel that way or like she had to feel like she had to be more closer to white, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, well, you know, we got always the the usual suspects, right? The usual suspects we looking at our community, we got... Slavery in our history. Mm-hmm. We got discrimination. She was fairly old. She it was, she was born in like the 1930s. People that were born before us, they you got to think about their parents. Whenever we we take on the mentality of our parents until we find our own way mm-hmm. in the world, right? So, but you still take some of the shit that your parents taught with you. I feel like a lot of that is that, right? Mm-hmm. So there are these lessons and these things that were passed down as ways of living because that was how you had to live. I know whenever my grandfather was alive, uh, my grandfather on my dad's side, when he was a little boy, you couldn't look at a white woman walking down the street. You look in her direction, you might end up like Emmett Till. And that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it was okay. So I think inherently going through those types of experiences leads people to try to teach you things to protect you. And they may mean well, but inherent, somewhere along the line, we lost the plot, right? Mm-hmm. And it became black means the darker means the lesser. And unfortunately, I still think, like, the world has changed a lot. But there's still a, a, a set of people that got that same thought process to yeah. this day. Like, you'll look at how they treat uh, dark-skinned women models versus the light-skinned women models. I think a, I think a Ice Spice whenever I think about it. Like, everybody's like, she's just popular because she's light-skinned. I never heard that one. 
there's definitely people on the internet who's like, the reason why she broke out and why she's got so much success, she has a fucking Super Bowl commercial. There's like, it's because she's a light-skinned woman. I thought it was because of Munch, man. I don't listen to Ice Spice. Me either. I don't pay attention to her for real. But she's got a lot of brand deals that some artists who would be like newer like her would mm-hmm. not be privy so, to. And I mean, like, you know, going back kind of to that thing, right? Um, I don't. For the longest, right? If it, if it ain't white, it ain't right was kind of the mm-hmm. the mentality in this country. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I distinctly remember we grew up in South Louisiana there are pockets and areas of people that still kind of adhere to that mentality. Uh, my dad told me growing up that, like, there's, there was one of these fair, light-skinned girls from, like, around Mallet. You wanted to talk to her parents would do what they call the comb test on you. It can't pass the comb through your head. You got to get the fuck out of my house. Oh, damn. I thought you Because if your head not straight, you the you're... paper bag test. Nah. I never heard of paper bag test. The paper bag test is a brown paper bag. If your skin is darker than this brown paper bag, then you you can't get it. Oh, and I ain't heard of that one neither. You really? really? No, nah, I remember him telling me about the comb thing. But I say that to say, like, at one point, the the traits and qualities that are associated with whiteness, mm-hmm. which is fair skin, straight hair, these are things that black people sometimes place outsized value on, still even to this day. So I think when it comes to the whole aspect of colorism and us navigating, I think it's black people doing a lot better. But do do dark skinned people we, still get a little shade? Yeah. We give light skinned uh Yeah, light skinned niggas up. been taking L's for a minute, bro. I don't think it's been cool to be light skinned as a dude since the nineties for real. Man, I love all y'all. I'm, man, I'm not gonna, I'm just saying gonna, like I'm talking about culturally, it. like where it was like light skin is in, you know, like when it was just like oh I say early two thousands. I say early too. Yeah, not not a, they, they let y'all chocolate brothers make it, man. Just be happy for progression. I am happy, man. I love my chocolate skin, but that was just something that had came across my mind. I was like, damn, man, it's kind of messed up some of the things that I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably dealt with from a grandparent or a parent growing up. So I just want y'all to know, love yourself. Don't 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 be hey, hard on y'all. Love the melanin in your skin, man. I ain't gonna lie, black is beautiful. It's amazing. I love seeing black people. I love being black. I love seeing light skin, dark skin, albino, all of them. We all one big diaspora. I love us. Love us too, y'all. Hey there, World Builder. Hope you're enjoying the show. Let me ask you something real quick. If I were to tell you that you could get your business brand, product, or service in front of an audience of over 200,000 actively engaged monthly listeners, how much do you think that would cost you? You're probably thinking something crazy like a arm and a leg. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. This is actually something that could be quite affordable. Here at Black Wealth Renaissance, we are offering small business owners the opportunity to promote their business brand, product, or service in front of the Black Wealth Renaissance audience for very affordable rates. If this sounds like something that interests you, please click the link in the show notes. We have a short survey form for you to fill out where you can provide us some information about your business and a member of our team will reach out to you regarding promotional services. Please hurry because this offer won't last long. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener of the show. Now, let's get back to these gems. So you want to go to our next topic? Yeah, man, what we got next, brother? I want to talk about this election year, dog. <sighs> this election year is about to be bullshit. Yeah, it is, When I man. say bullshit, y'all, I just want y'all to know, the closer it get to October, November, 
Shit about to get real crazy. Yeah, man. Election shit about year, to get to me, real crazy. Election years are always bullshit, but this one now I feel like this the shit, makings yeah. of, of a bigger shit storm than normal. Yeah, like uh, I feel like we about to witness something. I don't, real. I don't think I've ever heard of a situation like now where people who were president or are currently actively president or were president were being left off of states' ballots. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anything. I, like I that. haven't heard of that shit either. Like maybe we could look it up to see if it's occurred before, but I definitely never heard anybody say that happened before. So that definitely you know set off a flag in mm-hmm. my head. Um, but I don't know you. I don't know if you saw the story recently. Damn, I forgot where he is. It's a, a government official. He just got arrested um, for he had a whole scheme with forged write-in ballots. So what what their scheme was was, and this happened during the 2020 election. So he was getting people who didn't vote. He was finding their information, mm-hmm. forging their signatures, and casting in melon ballots mm-hmm. for whichever candidates and stuff that they wanted to uh, go go with. So you, I don't know if you remember, but the big thing during the 2020 election was melon ballots, mm-hmm. and the, uh, there was a big thing in Georgia, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So this guy, I think it was like in Baltimore or something like that. But he's about to go to jail for a long time for this shit. It was yeah, like over over like 200,000, uh, I think, like mail-in ballots. Enough to sway some shit. So it's like, this is on the cusp. And then you got, uh, like we were just talking about with the with the primary. Uh, Joe Biden was left off of the uh, primary ballot in, in New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. And then you got Trump. Uh, states like Colorado and a few other states were like, "Yeah, bro, you can't, you can't run over here. We ain't even putting you on the ballot." Mm-hmm. And then I think he's still going through his legal trouble and everything. I mean, should Donald Trump be allowed to run for president? As a person with an active investigation on him for leading a riot at the White House, my opinion would be no. I'm saying no. Yeah, my opinion would be no. Do I think Trump has a fair chance of winning? Hell yeah. Do I think that shit has been going downhill? That nigga Trump win. He coming out like Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's problematic. Really problematic as shit. But uh, I definitely feel like, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's because I'm getting older and I pay attention to politics more. But do you feel like the options keep getting worse and worse? Yes. Like, we just, it's always a pick between shitty and shitty. It's Mm -hmm. never like... Wow, look at this president. This is going to be the one, you know? Like, even looking at a lot of the candidates, uh, like the the, the when, lady. When the last time we had a president that even served at, like, the military, who was, like, a general or uh, decorated? W, I think. No, no, before W. I think Bill. Bill was the last one that was That's almost involved in the military. I may be wrong. Almost 30 years ago. It now. might it might be before Bill, honestly. But think about that. The president is the commander-in-chief of the military. Yeah. You got people who have not served. It used to be the standard for the president to have been in, uh, a veteran. Now, now you got people like, oh, man, The Rock should run, and this person should run just because they're popular or just because, like, it, it doesn't make sense. So, one, first, the, the whole veteran seal was broken. Then the politician seal was broken with Trump. So. Yeah. No, That's I know a, Reagan. I think Reagan was the politician. Uh, but then they went right back to politicians after that. Yeah, for years. <laughs> Reagan fucked up a lot of, of shit, game. bro. Yeah. yeah. 
Watergate was Nixon. No, I'm not uh, tripping. Reagan fucked up a lot of shit with, with trickle down economics and all that shit. Crack era. We all know Reagan wasn't the best president, right? But as far as this election, yeah, man, I'm not looking forward to none of this shit, to be honest. Uh, like you voting, man? I'm a vote, bro. You gotta vote, bro. Do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know, man. Man, like, look, I look. can't vote for Biden, though, bro. Bro, you ain't gotta tell me who you gonna vote for. I, I ain't gonna tell you who I'm gonna vote for. This nigga told me you ain't black if you don't vote for me, bro. I, I, a white man can't pull my black card, dog. I ain't gonna lie to you. Ever since that day, he said that shit on the Breakfast Club. I have been adamantly telling any black person I can to stop. Voting blindly. Just because they're Democratic. Just because they're Democratic. I think as a as a community, we have um, an unnatural allegiance to the Democratic Party. It doesn't make sense. They talk a good game, but when it comes time to do the walking, all politicians are the same. Hmm. I don't care what nobody say. Their policies may be a little different. Uh, I like to evaluate people on the merits of, they, of what they're saying for what I want to do. So I'm a business owner. I have some conservative viewpoints on a few things, especially when it comes to taxation. Mm-hmm. So I might agree with some of those people who I may not agree with everything on, but you're never going to find a politician you can agree on everything with. No. But uh, as far as this being bullshit, man, I, I just. What you, I, what you think going to be like the breaking story in October? You know, it's always something crazy. Breaking story in October. One, I just know for, for sure once the election's over, they're going to let the economy fall apart. That's going to be the distraction. Nah, this year's distraction's been celebrities, bro. It's going to be some celebrity it's, shit. It's going to be some crazy shit. It's going to be some celebrity shit. It's going to be like, I don't know, like some random Bruno Mars shit. Like Bruno Mars drops an album and does coke on the stage or something. I don't know, man. It's going to be something crazy. Something, That's something, wild. <laughs> something long enough to keep people attention for like a week or two. Just saying, man. It's always something, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you pick the next topic. All right, man. So let me look at the phone. You know, I ain't got it on there. Uh. All right. So. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor... State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Talking about, well, you mentioned something a little earlier. Uh, with talking about people that they wanted to run for president, you mentioned The Rock, and you was talking about that you got to mention in here of a deal that The Rock is involved in. Come on, yeah. Talk about talk to me about that, son. I don't I don't so, know too much about that. The Rock. So it's a two part thing, right? First, The Rock uh, became a board member of TKO which is the parent company of WWE. Uh, we all know The Rock got his start as a wrestler. So now he became a board member of the company that owns WWE. Shout out to The uh, Rock. So shout out to him. I'm, I'm about to find the exact number. Uh, the Rock, TKO. 
Speaking of The Rock, though, it don't make no sense to me how he's, like, in the best shape of his life in his 50s, bro. Every time I see that nigga, I'd be like, yo, that's crazy. Like, how you get this jacked at 50? I don't know, man. Think The Rock on roids, bro? Maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Area I said. Area I said, yes. <laughs> without hesitation. <laughs> um, it's a it's a $30 million deal, though. Uh, now he's a board member uh, with Equity Stake and TKO, right? And then uh, on top of that, Netflix ended up doing a, a deal where they're going to stream WWE. Mm. Uh, I don't, I, mean, I don't remember if it's exclusive or not, but now they're streaming WWE wrestling. So another move from cable mm-hmm. to streaming. Yes. So we just continuing to see a continuous in that trend. Uh, I think we we all pretty much are witnessing the death of cable over time. Uh, last year I got my family to cut the cord finally, man. I was like, bro, y'all paying way too much for TV. They had direct TV. They were paying like $190 a month or some shit like that. And so, like, we call up there yeah, to cancel. Man. I'm like, yo, y'all got to get off this. We'll get y'all on some streaming services. Boop, boop, boop. Cut the bill in half, right? Call up there to cancel direct TV. Like, man, look, please don't go. We'll cut y'all bill in half for 12 months if y'all just stay with us. What was going to happen at the end of 12 months? What's going to go back up? But if y'all just call back, we're going to put it back down again. Like, that's <laughs> dumb as hell. Y'all niggas dying and this is what y'all doing. Like, but streaming is definitely continuing to see the takeover. But streaming is just going to become cable again soon. Uh, which so, brings up something that I saw er- recently. Uh, that they're trying to combine oh, yeah, the, all that. the sports channels Fox, under streaming. Disney and, uh, Fox, Disney, and ABC. If, no, ABC is owned by Disney. Um, Fox, Disney. I can't say ESPN because ESPN is also owned by Disney. Disney. I forgot who the other person. Uh, but either way, they were talking about putting together a conglomerate. Maybe TNT. Maybe TNT. Maybe oh, Warner. T- it's Warner. Warner. Okay. Warner owns TNT. There we go. Uh, I just know that like what they're talking about is combining all the sports mm-hmm. into one streaming platform, which actually might be a good thing in my mind. Because from where we've been seeing streaming going, streaming started off as like the solution to high cable bills, which it is. It still is in some instances. I just told you, my parents, I saved them fifty percent on their bill just getting off of the uh, satellite TV by switching to Geico. You <laughs> 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 just threw my fucking train of thought off, man. You're talking about streaming and rap and them bundling all of the sports programs. <laughs> but yeah, eventually streaming ended up becoming like everybody having their own service. It went from, okay, you got Netflix and Hulu, to now we got Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, Fox, uh, all these different services, and people found themselves paying the same amount for all the shit. Hmm. So to me, this is a great idea because it's, back, it's getting back to consolidating. And I think the more that they can consolidate within that space. You think they just going to start jacking up the prices again though? Probably. Eventually, I mean, we see it already with Netflix. Netflix started off at like what, like eight bucks a month, mm-hmm. and I mean, inflation is inflation. But Netflix recently raised their prices. I mean, but after like talking to Frankie as well, though, bro, fifty million dollars a month to store data—that shit could get expensive. I, I can understand. But bro, still, they're gonna charge more eventually. Is what I'm saying. Like Netflix didn't start off there. 
as they corner the I'm market, just saying, they're like, going to charge more. Storing all of the that media and everything like that, I understand how much that how expensive that shit can be. Like, it's going to be a point to where it's like, shit, the rubber got to meet the road, dog. Like, it costs this much just to store all of these type of shows. Yeah, and that's then why most streaming companies lose money. Yes, but they turn a profit once they're able to corner the market and start increasing prices. That's what Netflix finally made a profit. I was wrong on that. I said you I thought Netflix was going to die. At one point during like damn, two, what was our bet? I forgot. Fuck, we had a bet. Hey, you should have remembered, nigga. Tough it, we did it. We did it on the episode. Don't worry about it. Tough titties, nigga. You ain't gonna don't remember. worry about it. Oh yeah, I will. You ain't gonna remember. Um, I'm gonna go find that motherfucker. It's documented. Now you gotta remember. Whatever. Either if way, you, man. if you are a loyal listener out there. Go find it. I'm going to cut you in on that bet. I think it was some stock, though. I do think it was some stock. It'll, it'll get, I'll get it for math, man. Don't worry yeah, about don't, it. Yeah, you ain't got to buy it for me. That's what I was going to tell you. You just got to buy buy him some stock. Uh, But anyways, back to what you were saying. You know I don't be remembering. Oh, well, I'll go into, uh, I wanted to go into the deal that uh, with WWE and Netflix. So... Beginning January 2025, Netflix will be the exclusive new home of Raw in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Latin America, among other territories, with additional countries and regions to be added over time. Likewise, as a part of the agreement, Netflix will also become the home for all WWE shows and specials outside of the U.S. as available exclusively of Raw and WWE. So, that's crazy. They about to literally go off of, like, cable broadcasting and go straight just to Netflix. I can believe that. Because at this point, I'm sure Netflix is in most U.S. households. Whether you're a paid member or still, like, on somebody else's subscription. Uh-huh, they cut that shit. But, I mean, they cut it, but they ain't really cut it that bad. Like, you can still just who you, pay. Who you know that's getting around? Like you gotta pay for it, bro. You but you uh, to add one person is like six dollars. Oh, we gotta talk. I need to figure out oh, how you do with it. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't pay for Netflix. I use my little sister one. And they not checking your IP? No. What the fuck? I think it's nigga, like I think it's a certain number. Maybe nigga, we, we need I to did. Look it up. I did it because we on Tanae, uh Mama shit. That bitch said, "Nope, you gotta go but back how to many the home. other people are on it. I, I don't know. That's the question." It's a, they're limiting the amount of devices. They're not saying you can't password share no more. You just can't have your shit on like 30 devices, which is fair. They got to make money somehow. Like you just said, they, it costs a lot of money to store all this content. Damn. And you know, Netflix, they business model, they produce expensive content. And the only thing that drives new revenue for them is new subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Well, in advertisements now, since they've introduced that model. Um, Which is pretty interesting. Because, uh, again, we're going back to fucking cable. Yeah. If I pay seven ninety nine for Netflix and it's ad-supported and I pay $6 for um, HBO Max and it's ad-supported, I just won't be on cable again. I mean, but I think the, the difference between cable and that it's is... It's on-demand. Yeah, I was about to say the on-demand aspect of it. I don't mind paying for the on-demand aspect. Watch a little ad or just pay more money and you don't have to worry about it. Yep. So I think I don't think that that's uh too bad too bad of a model for us. So in other news, um, Bitcoin ETFs 
have been approved by the SEC. Is that is that accurate? I see you got it in here. Yeah. I, what, what, when did this happen, man? Bitcoin. That happened like three weeks ago. So Bitcoin ETFs, that's been a hot button topic for a minute now. Uh, people have been talking about the SEC approving Bitcoin ETFs for... I don't know how long now. So man. on January 10th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission approved and launched several Bitcoin ETFs. The approval order resolved the critical legal and regulatory issues entitled in launching B, uh, Bitcoin. Mm. So that's that's a major step for Bitcoin. It is, mm-hmm. but there's also some people like Goldman Sachs that were like, I don't care. We're not introducing it. Uh, and I think Vanguard as well was like, we're not going to uh, support that product. But I think it just leaves room for the people who do believe in it. Like, they're going to be able to thrive with it. Yeah, and I, like I, whether they support it or not, somebody's going to offer it now that the SEC has approved it. Mm-hmm. And whether Vanguard and Goldman Sachs want to admit it or not, just looking at the charts, I mean, Bitcoin don't look like it's going nowhere no time soon. Shit back on a rally again. That's what I'm saying. It If we just look at it from a cycle standpoint, we talk about everything being cyclical, market cycles, uh, business cycles, that this is just another cycle of crypto. Whether y'all offer it or not, by the time the next having come up, mm-hmm. I promise you Bitcoin will be more, more then than it is now. But that, like, the idea of a Bitcoin ETF, is it something that I believe you should invest in? Maybe if you want exposure to Bitcoin and you don't want to go through the problem or the learning hassle of like trying to actually go through and get in a wallet and all that shit like that. But you could also just get a Coinbase account and buy it like that. And you can buy it through uh, Cash App. You can buy it through Cash App. To me, it doesn't make sense to get an ETF. And I have, this is just me. I haven't looked into the weeds of what the funds are going to be holding. So is it going to be all the, uh, Bitcoin? Is it going to, because the ETF, right? It's going to be a basket of assets. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a bunch of different crypto assets? Is it going to be Ooh, like be nasty. Bitcoin and coin? I don't know what's in there. Mm-hmm. But to me, why invest in a derivative of something that is like the S&P 500 of crypto? Mm, that's a good comparison. Because that's what I look at Bitcoin as. If Bitcoin is up, I mean, but people everything have S&P, is up. Uh, there's S&P ETFs. They do, yes. The, because the S&P is 500 different companies. Bitcoin is just one thing. I say S&P not to say it's a one-to-one thing, but more so that it's like a, a track for the whole crypto market. I got you. Where, wherever Bitcoin is, the, the crypto market as a whole is probably not going to be changing differently than that. If Bitcoin is going up, everything is going up. If Bitcoin's going down, most of the other coins are going, most of the major coins. Yeah. You'll start seeing a few little shit coins go up, like a little couple meme coins here and there. But in terms of like actually investing in an ETF for crypto instead of just getting the crypto, take the time, learn the steps, buy the crypto. That's that's how I think on it. I can't argue. And and other news with uh, crypto as well. Chase CEO Jamin Diamond, Jamie Diamond said, "Don't ask him about that shit no more." That's not what he said. Yep, 
He did word not, for word. He, bur, bur, that dad man did not say don't ask me about that shit no more. Don't ask me about that shit no more. Hey man. That he said he had Diamond. enough. Jamie Diamond behaved Bitcoin since they came out with that shit. That nigga said, though, ask me about that shit no more. Uh, it was at the summit for, like, all of the uh, financial uh, people that... What was the name of it, you know? I forgot the name of the summit, bro. Um, but it goes on for, like, two or three uh, weeks. But they literally had... Somebody at Davos? Maybe. The World Economic Forum? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. Um... You wanna you wanna move to our next one? Jamie said, "Don't tell me about that shit no more." Well, let him not invest. I'm gonna invest, but yeah, we could we could move on to the next topic, brother. Since, since it's Super Bowl weekend, why not kick <sighs> why not kick the NFL back in? So yeah, man, the NFL, bro, the, the NFL. biggest fucking finessers ever. Yeah, man, I the think NFL the NFL is, the is probably the biggest ever. finesse in American history. They really, they really cold at it, bro. And you, you want to tell them why, bro? They're cold is because they're the highest valued sports league. I think this is actual statistical proof. They're the highest valued sports league, most watched game in America. They don't pay for performers for Super Bowls and things of that nature. They don't pay for their own stadiums. Those are funded by taxpayer dollars. And uh, what was the most, the more recent thing I learned that was paid for by people? I think I put it in the note. Let me see. Yeah, no, they they that was it. Yeah, I was about to say. I don't, oh, the other aspect we were of talking it, about the, the price. growth of those franchises in value, and then we was also talking about the prices of them suites for the Super Bowls. So. Yes, so as a whole, right, the NFL is entertainment, uh, and they get away with being a not for profit business. Yes, uh, all professional sports leagues in America are not for profit businesses because. To be a nonprofit, it doesn't mean you're feeding the homeless and doing all the other stuff like that. It just mm-hmm. means that at the end of the day, your books have to show that there was not a profit. And the NFL does that. They say their purpose is entertainment, not to make a profit. And I think all it's that criminal bullshit. that they are able to make this much money, take taxpayer dollars, and still make billions on top of billions while not offering basically anything in return to, like, the players outside of salary when they play. Uh, don't they have, like, a vesting period, like, where they can uh, get I, paid for? Mm, I don't think there's a pension I'm, in the NFL. I'm pretty sure they, like, I think you got to you gotta be in it for at least oh. six to seven years because I know the NBA, NBA is 10 years. I think the NFL is, like, six to seven years. Um, but as we know, NFL – uh, their player careers are a lot shorter than after that. three seasons they get a pension and okay. the pension plays them about forty six k a year. Yeah, I mean that still ain't shit. Damn, damn NFL, y'all niggas are sad. Yeah, no, nah, but they they are getting away with some of the the biggest like tax breaks and stuff, and I think it's cool to see like from a business standpoint how you can wanna, take advantage of certain things. I want to. Uh, like what? What you talking about? With uh, like some of the uh, tax breaks. Yeah, like I mean, the biggest one is the fact that taxpayers fund the stadium. I remember whenever they were moving the Raiders, and they were talking about that. Like, and the Rams, a few cities didn't want the the teams to because come, yeah. you're gonna have to raise Actually, local people's taxes. Actually, that's why the Rams left St. Louis. Yeah, you, you're gonna raise people's taxes. You're gonna like we're gonna. 
you're probably going to displace people. That's also another part of it that, that doesn't get talked about often. When they built the stadium in Arlington here, they had a lot of people that lived in that area that just was like, eminent domain, you got to get up out of here. Like, you getting this, you making them pay this, and you still taking their land? Meanwhile, you just collecting a check. The NFL owners, they probably going to go down as the greatest finesses of all time, man. You, you know, like, the growth of NFL franchises? I think I don't number, think man. anything has outpaced the growth of an NFL franchise since the turn of the century. Um, whenever NFL team, I think the average NFL team now is valued between eight and ten billion. Mm-hmm. Just ten years ago, those numbers were like eight hundred million, not even eight hundred million, like a few hundred million, like three hundred million, four hundred million. So you look at the growth over that period of time astronomical and they not paying taxes somebody okay. got to an answer for this so, shit so i'm uh i found what i was looking for so we're gonna be be clear the entire nfl is not a non-profit um it has subsidiaries that include for profit such as nfl network um as well as the 32 separate teams and in 2012 this article is a little older uh the nfl netted $9.5 billion in revenue through TV licensing, ticket sales, and merchandise. The vast majority of that money is funneled through the league's teams. The teams are subsequently responsible for paying dues to the league's office, which manages rules, oversees referees, and conducts. The league office received 30, I'm sorry, $326 million in dues in 2012. Trying to get to the good part. Okay, only the league office run by Goodell is considered a nonprofit. So basically, mm-hmm. they got the teams to pay three hundred twenty-six million dollars to the fucking office, and got that as a nonprofit write-off. So the team would get a tax write-off for paying the league. Uh, I don't think the teams get a tax write-off if they pay. Uh, yeah, the the so. The network yeah. is where they're making all their money. Mm-hmm. Network and ticket sales, right? And they're funneling they make they funnel it down to the teams. Teams make all the money, but the teams have to pay dues mm-hmm. to the NFL so office. They funnel it back up. Which is a non profit organization. Mm-hmm. Once again, finesse is dog. And uh unlike public charities such as American Red Cross and the Salvation Army, which are considered five oh one C threes. The NFL is a 501c6 organization, a segment of the tax code that applies to trade associations such as the American Medical Association and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that was created in 1942. These groups are afforded nonprofit status to support the common interests of the members of a particular industry. So, for example, support doctors across the Americas, across the country. The Chamber of Commerce uh, advocacy collects the business interests. Membership is supposed to be open to anyone who can meet uh, the basic requirements. But once again, with the NFL, y'all, they got a whole bunch of just shit like they not having to pay none of that. And there's a few senators that came in recent uh, years that are trying to strip them of that tax uh, 
exemption, mm-hmm. but it keep on filling. Of course, you know, they got lobbyists right. and everything like that. As long as the pocket's deep, that's what the, we talked about that with Coach John a little bit, man. As long as the money is flowing to the politicians' pockets, oh, yeah. all's not changing. Not at all. Not at all. But I just felt like people should know that uh, ahead of the uh, Super Bowl that how much money that they get to skip out on. I know a lot of people be mad at like uh, Amazon and all this other bullshit, but NFL is the scammers. NFL is the greatest finesses, man. Hell yeah. Who you got for the Super Bowl? <sighs> I'm not betting against Chiefs the Chiefs. Chiefs by 20. Though. Yeah, I'm not betting against them niggas, though. Chiefs by 20. That's all I'm saying. Super I'm Bowl prediction. Niggas, it's not going to be a good game. Not going to be close. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Uh, and we can move to the last part, bro. Um, kind of want to do this for Black History Month. Shout out to all my black people. Yeah. Blacktastic. Um, I kind of want to highlight some of the the uh, neighborhoods and thriving enclaves that uh, go unnoticed that were just like uh, black, black Wall, Wall Street. Street yeah, like the other even, Black Wall Street. Yeah, like even like probably even more prominent than Black Wall Street. We just know, we know of Black Wall Street, I think, because of the horrors of how mm-hmm. how that that uh it was a massive. community yeah was was ended you know there are actual bombings uh from the US government on the, that saw so i i think that's why black wall street gets highlighted so much but i want to talk about some of the other communities yeah. that contributed to our history as well i just want i want to preface that by saying like there a lot of times like you said we as a community think that we only had one shining light, one beacon or one example of us mm-hmm. working together, making money together, building businesses together and building a community. When there were several that were, like you mentioned, some were more prominent during the time. It's just that this is the one that we remember. Uh, one of which is the one of the oldest ones that I remember just off the top of my head is the the Haiti community, Hayati community, I think is how they actually mm-hmm. pronounced it. Um, which is H-A-Y-T-I, mm-hmm. is, it was in North Carolina, Durham, in Durham, and it was considered the birthplace of black capitalism. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first towns where you could go, uh, W.E. Du Bois has a quote, um, is like, this is the only town you can go in where if you're sick, you'll be able to see a black doctor. When you go to bed at night, you'll be able to sleep on a mattress made by a black, a black um, producer in a house that's built by a black, black contractor with that was designed by a black architect. So just to paint the illustration, it's ways to get this money to circulate within us. Uh, that community was one of the first, mm-hmm. and that was in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was... Um, it's prime got, was actually from 1980. I'm sorry, 1880s, 1880s to the 1940s. Yeah, the, the, I just remember early 1900s is when... They formed uh, the, the actual name of the city and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what came out of there was actually one of the longest and oldest black-owned businesses uh, that recently closed, North Carolina Mutual Life Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina Mutual Life 
was an insurance company. They started off uh, selling industrial insurance, actually, which is, you know, just kind of like weekly policy type mm-hmm. stuff where it's basically burial insurance. And they were able to build this up to a conglomerate. It was, uh, I think at the time, by like the 1920s, it was the, the richest black country in America. Richest black company in America. Yeah, richest black company in America. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were around till 2020, man, 2022. Mm-hmm. They actually recently closed. Uh, they had a reinsurance issue for people that don't know reinsurance. Uh, insurance companies all about mitigating risk. Sometimes they can't mitigate all that risk on their own, so they sign contracts with other insurance companies on the in case something happens, they can call up that money. Well, North Carolina Mutual probably got into one of those agreements to get extra cash flow for themselves because they're paying premiums to them. They called the policy, and they didn't, they didn't have, have the assets to cover it. Damn. So unfortunately, that company was liquidated. But that legacy began back in the early 1900s in a community when black people had no other choice but to work together. And I, I just think it's important to highlight like the fact that we can create something that had that longevity. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know of any other black owned business that's that, been, that was almost around 200 years, almost 200 yeah. years. I can't think of any, but uh, outside of that, but that that's just a testament to the willpower to me in my mind. Nah, that's hard. Uh, I'm going to go to the next one. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with this, but Harlem, Harlem, New York. Oh, yeah, Harlem. Uh, Harlem is also considered like a, a black mecca. It, well, it was considered the black mecca um, for all of its contribution contributions from like uh, Langston Hughes, W.E.D. Du Bois, Marcus Garvey, uh, and so many more that came out of that mecca and that enclave. Um, we had a lot of thought leaders. We had some of our greatest writers, like I just named. Thanks to uh, Yeah. Well. So that that's another community that I feel like people overlook whenever we think about black enclaves that had that history. And I'm pretty sure a lot of New Yorkers, they like, nah, y'all bugging B. But whenever people always say black Wall Street, black Wall Street, like you got to put Harlem on that list and you got to understand that as well. Uh, you want to go with the next one? Yeah, I'm going to go with the next one, man. The next one uh, is actually, you talking about Black Wall Street. This one was considered the first Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, Jackson Ward in Virginia. It was in Richmond, uh, yeah, Richmond, Virginia. It was a another bustling community. Um, what year was this in? Okay. It was early 19th century as well, so like probably like late 1800, uh, or early 20th century, late 1800, mm-hmm. something like that. Um Jackson Ward was another one, just like, uh, just like Durham. Like it was another community where they had a bustling district, black business, people doing business together, mm-hmm. um, and that community existed for I think like thirty or forty years, something like that. And currently, they still have remnants of it, but they built a highway through it. That's that is a thing. Yeah, uh, that's normally what they do. Same thing they did with Central Park. You know they, you know why they took Central Park. Because they wanted the World's Fair to be held in that area. Because they thought it just looked so good. And they just eminent domain, like, mm-hmm. that whole neighborhood. And just cleared it out. Made it, like, wood. Like, wooded. Not wooded area. But, you know, mm-hmm. the park area and all of that bullshit. Um, I got the next one. The next one is actually a commu- community in Washington, D.C. It's called U Street. Uh, it was known as Black Broadway. Uh, the U Street cor- Corridor 
was known as the epicenter for black excellence and talent uh, at the end of the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century. Uh, U Street was home of black social, culture, and economic prosperity. Despite radical, uh, sorry, despite racial and political tension in the country, uh, some prominent entertainers, active activists, and educators uh, come out of that community. Um, pioneers like Carter G. Woodson, Zora Neale Hurston. I love. Uh, damn, I can't think of her book. Is it? Uh, Eyes on Did the she sky? make a street card? No, that's just not her. She didn't make a street card named Desire. Uh, nah, but I remember reading that book in like eighth grade. But it was a really, really good book. I gotta go figure. I know. If, I think it. I. I can't uh, think about the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Zora but yeah, Billy Hall, Billy Holiday, and uh, people like that were all uh up there. So I just want to give that that city its flowers as well. But once again, it's another uh neighborhood that started to decline uh, towards the 1950s. Um, and I hate that that is the name of the book was their eyes are watching God. There you go. That's exactly the one. Yep. Yeah. That was a sad book. man. <sighs> sad black books. All right. So moving on to the next community, uh, another one that rarely ever hear about. I didn't know about this until very recently. Uh, the fourth Avenue district in Birmingham, Alabama. This was like, they called it Harlem of the South. It was one of the most booming districts. Uh, I want to say at the time, the city had like a 37% black population and almost all the black businesses were located in this five, six square mile area. You know, like this, this, this whole strip was just, it became the center for culture. Uh, it became the center for business, entertainment. All these things happened in Jackson Ward. They said it was one of the littest places and it actually, um, it, it never they never tore it down or anything like that, but it was the site of the 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 bombing in Birmingham. You remember mm. the, that church that was bombed in Birmingham was in, in that uh, district, and it slowly dwindled down after se- desegregation. Because you know sometimes black folk think the white man ice a little colder, and they yeah yeah. You remember your dad was telling you about that uh, how it happened in uh, Opelousas, how we had. We had pretty uh nice neighborhoods too, and everybody wanted to start moving out to the country to yeah. in the suburbs with the white people. Yep, and now look at the op, aka the slop, just full of shit. <sighs> but moving what, right which on. Which one along, was that that you just did? I did Fourth Ave. So you did Greenwood already. Actually, we didn't speak about Greenwood. Everybody know Greenwood, yeah. man. <laughs> we did speak about it. I mean, I don't. I'm. I was just gonna save it for last. Uh, so the next one is, did you do the one in Oakland? No, I'm not familiar with these three. Okay. Uh, so this one is 7th Street in West Oakland. Um, this one became a prosperous era, era, uh, between the time of World War II, uh, when a lot of black African Americans moved to Oakland in masses due to war related jobs and other opportunities. Uh, the black Americans created and own many businesses for uh, just, like, a lot of people who go to Oakland, they know the history out there. Like, they're like, yeah, this was, like, like the black Mecca on the West Coast for us. Mm-hmm. This is where we were able to get everything, once again, like you're saying, houses built by black people, 
uh, architects designing it. Um, you're able to just feel comfortable, and you actually had businesses that were uh, thriving. And uh, this well, Oakland always just been for black folks. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, the jazz and blues scenes were prominent in that area, and that's where like Nat King Cole and BB King and stuff would travel whenever they would go to the West Coast. Cool deal. So next up, we got the the historic 10th Street out here in lovely Dallas, Texas. Uh, that's actually probably not far from where I live. Honestly. It's not. Uh, it's probably like right around the corner from me. But let's see here, man. 10th Street, Dallas. You know anything about 10th Street in Dallas, man? I don't. Uh, I just I read I read the uh, blog that I had found on it. Uh, I'll let you talk about it, but I don't know nothing about it, my nigga. That's why I'm asking man, you. Man, you read the blog, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> I'm asking you. Want, you want you. me to read the blog? Yeah, man, you got it. This guy up. here. Uh, it was situated in Oak Cliff, of course, uh, and grew to become a prominent uh, community soon after the Civil War because of segregation. Um, it had more than 500 black residents that lived in the area by 1900. Um, the strong African-American presence in the district is one of the reasons the area grew and prospered. 10th Street District is home to notable figures such as blues artist uh, T-Bone Walker and Olympic gold medalist Rafar Johnson. Um, as Ooh. with... Refer, Refar Johnson? I ain't never heard of none of these I've, brothers. I've, I've never heard T-Bone of... T-Bone Washington and Refar Johnson. T-Bone Walker. Walker. Yeah. T-Bone Walker. Mm. And, yeah. Um, as with other black communities in the country, uh, the effects of demolition, construction, and integration caused many other residents to relocate, um, taking their culture and influence with them. Uh, with this one, though, the district was listed in the National Registry of Historic Places in 1994. So um, this one is listed as a historic place, and it is being preserved. They actually ended up getting a grant in 2022 to help restore some of the uh, buildings in that district. Okay. So that's pretty good for them. Uh, but if you know Dallas, you know what? You know Oak Cliff, it has bad connotations. So I hate that. A once prominent and bustling district, like many of these. I don't think Oak Cliff has bad connotations, bro. It's a lot of people that they like they they what they call like Oak Cliff ghetto or something. Yeah, like that's that what I'm talking about. Like people always just try to down Oak Cliff yeah. and stuff. I, like that. I see a lot of Oak Cliff pride around here, honestly. Like a lot of from the black people. I'm talking about oh, like blacks and Hispanics, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't talk to no white folk. This guy here. I'm just being honest. All right, so last but not least, man, we got the Sweet Auburn community in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this was known as the richest Negro street in the world. Uh, Sweet Auburn was a haven for black Atlanta residents during the Civil Rights Movement, well, before the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, the district's cultural and social landscape shaped the black experience in the city, and I'm pretty sure we can still feel that influence today. Atlanta has been the black hub for black people yeah. for a long time. And it seemed like that never changed. This was in his during his prime. Uh, it it was it was in his prime up until like it seems like the eighties. Really. So this was one of those longer recent, lasting yeah. type places that uh, we have in. Yeah, it's it's considered one of the most endangered historic places. 
Um, and then 2012 it was named a national treasure. So next time that's you in up. the A, make sure you pass through Sweet Auburn, man. That's that's what's up. Yeah, that's what's up. But once again, we just wanted to give uh, those communities their flowers, highlight them through Black History Month, um, and kind of just think about what it could be if those were still standing, what it would look like if a lot of those communities mm. were able to thrive and grow. Uh, even, once again, what if it wasn't just one business, one black-owned business that was 200 years old? What if all of these communities could have sustained themselves and saw their businesses almost become 200 years old? Yeah. yeah. It's nice to think of, man, but I think I always look at it this way, man. It's important to know our history so we know we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Like, I, I mean, some of these things aren't mistakes. These are things that were outside of the control mm-hmm. of our people. But we should take the lessons that were learned and the the things that they done to build during that time could still be applicable in 2024. So I encourage everybody, if you're listening to this, man, you don't know anything about any of those communities or how they got formed. Yeah, just take a second, look it up. It's important to know our history. Um, And yeah, take that that second to to value. Was it not the same? Uh, Knowledge of self is like the true wealth. So know yourself, man. Yeah. I love that. That's a good way to end this thing, man. man. You know what I'm saying? Well, look, family, uh, this is David, man. It's your boy, Jalen. Uh, this was an episode just between us. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank y'all for chilling with us. Uh, we'll try to get more of these out for you guys. Um, once again, y'all, please leave us that five-star rating and review. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, if y'all need life insurance. Hit us up. We can take care of you. We can make sure that we find a product and a plan that works for you and your family, something that we can get you guys protected with. David, do you have anything else? Uh, man, appreciate y'all rocking with us. Uh, if y'all found value in this, like my brother said, leave us a review. If you ain't find value, tell us, man. Hey, man, don't do that bullshit no more. We don't like when y'all niggas talk. Y'all tell me, man. I want to know. Uh, but <laughs> Let me tell you right now, that's too damn bad. <laughs> That's too damn bad. But no, man, uh, only thing I got for y'all, appreciate anybody, caught us to the end, as always, you know. Much love, big kisses, all that stuff. But make sure y'all tap into the Black Men's Summit. Uh, Tell a brother, sister, mother, cousin, everybody, tell them about the Black Men's Summit. This year we're celebrating brotherhood in Atlanta, cultural hub. Uh, It's going to be our third year doing this. Last year was phenomenal. This year is going to be even better. This September in Atlanta, y'all want to be there. Make sure you go to blackmensummit.com or check the link in the show notes, and we'll get more information on that to you. Can't wait to see y'all. Can't wait to see y'all there. So, until next time, this is BWR signing out. Peace. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cutoff. Ba da ba ba ba. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.